Terry Booth. It's an honor to have you here. Thanks for making time. Hey, Jay, how are you? I am well. Uh, we're catching up uh, the beginning of 2021, and we'll talk about what we should all expect from your perspective in 2021 as we enter this brave new uh, world. And I think 2021 will be a big transition writ large in the world, but also uh, in cannabis. We'll talk a bit about that. But we're talking today because uh, I came across our desk, obviously, um, that there's, uh, well, we're going to talk about Alps. We're going to talk about the acquisition from Australis. Talk a little bit about Alps, if you will, the origins of it, what it does, how it does it, and sort of the value it brings to the sector. Sure, sure. Um, Alps is a, um, it used to stand for Aurora Larson Projects, and, and they're a engineering and design firm that do sort of, not sort of, they do a five-spoke um, construction, engineering, and design of cannabis facilities and other um, lettuce and tomato facilities. And we, Alps has one they're doing right now in Dubai. Um, so that does de-risk the play. Australis is acquiring this company. Um, they're, they're buying 51% of Alps with an option to buy the other 49% over a three-year period. And um, we expect Alps to, we'll let the chains off them, if you will. Uh, when Aurora acquired Alps back in the day, uh, we, we quickly stopped him from building any facilities for our competitors. Uh, had a contract with T-God um, and Seneva uh, talking to Canopy, and I couldn't let this Thomas Larson uh, build these awesome facilities for anybody but Aurora. Um, so he went on and, and, and did just that. Um, awesome facilities, uh, uh, low cost per gram, uh, high quality, automated to some extent. The larger you get, the more automation you get. And um, he actually was going to build a facility for Australis um, when Australis acquired uh, GT Therapeutics, the green or G green therapeutics rather. That company ran into some litigation issues with Australis. Um, it is also going to be a part of um, one of the deals we're doing where we clean up that litigation and green therapeutics comes back on board. But we are not going to be in Aurora 2.0. Um, Australis is not um, buying Alps to build facilities for us. Uh, Australis is buying Alps to build facilities for others. And in those arrangements, we'll sign um, a certain percentages, whether it be five, two, 10, whatever percentage it might be of their space to grow our cannabis, our cultivars and our brands. Um, part of the um, Alps contract includes support in cultivation uh, and we expect that we will be successful in um, negotiating a certain amount of space for our, our own brands mr natural and green therapeutics tsunami and whatnot and and building those brands so it's a, a low cap capex model it's not a uh, let's go raise 500 million bucks and build a bunch of square footage um it's let's go get some contracts to build for the guys that already have the money um, and, and more focused towards, I think, the East Coast, because uh, that grow market really hasn't been tapped. Uh, the guys in, in New York and New Jersey have always gotten their pot from British Columbia and California, right? I mean, right. They, they still do. Um, there's not a lot of uh, gray grow in, on the East Coast, so we expect to uh, put a dent in there and, and make our mark 
um, with Alps on a grow side and then have those facilities grow um, a certain small portion of our cannabis. And we'll be focusing on building the brand um, and partnering with uh, CPG, white labeling uh, companies and uh, retail. The, the beauty of this um, Trojan horse plan, if you will, is that it um, doesn't require us to get to a bunch of licensing. You're, you're, you're piggybacking on the licensing of the guys who already got it to grow. And as you know, in the States, most of the growers um, in the States where it's allowed have the other verticals already there. So it's really a, a partnership um, type of arrangement. Um, the knowledge that exists at Alps is unquestionably, you know, world-class uh, with building these facilities. And we de-risk it to some extent um, by having Thomas able to still grow tomatoes and lettuce as he's doing in Dubai uh, right now. So um, he's just gonna, we're, we're like I said, we're, we're cutting the chains, letting him loose, um, going to bid and, and uh, put forward a good foot in the U.S. cannabis space. And that, hopefully, I, I think I wouldn't have joined it. And I, I step in as CEO of Australis um, as part of this deal. Um, immediate plans, you, you mentioned 2021. I think it's going to be a great year in the cannabis space. I think that, um, I, you know, as you mentioned, it's getting sort of boring. You better make some money. Um, Alps is already EBITDA positive, green therapeutics already EBITDA positive, um, and BAM is getting pretty close to being EBITDA positive. So our three uh, partners coming out of the gate here in the next you know, month, uh, hopefully we can wrap it up, maybe 30 to 60 days, uh, we're going to start putting money in the bank, like ta-da, you know, that, that's what um, we should have been doing already. Um, but whatever, I, I don't blame... Um, anybody for the um, failure of, of Australis, if indeed it was, but they just didn't get out of the gate. They had a couple of roadblocks with um, states that had moratoriums and stuff like that. Um, so best of luck to the old board, but the new board is going to be pretty focused on building this company. And um, I hope to be a driving force behind that. Yeah, well, that, that's, I mean, it's exciting. It's a lot. It's a lot. Um, it, it, but I think as we looked ahead to 2021, 2022 and beyond, I mean, uh, in almost every conversation we have, of course, there's still excitement what's happening in Canada with the ramp up of retail in Ontario and other places, but the sort of big giant thing on the horizon is the US market, obviously. Um, the election in November, both on the federal level with a new sort of president coming in and what that means, but five states also passing some form of legalization, whether it be medical or, 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 um, or mm -hmm. adult use or both. Um, but also this idea that, it's now, a, it's sweeping the nation, right? It's not just Colorado, California, Oregon, Washington, West Coast states, but they're East Coast states. And you mentioned New Jersey and New York. I'm from Massachusetts, although uh, I live in Toronto, but like the idea that this is now, you know, there may be these regional markets and, you know, in the Midwest, we talk about Illinois a lot and Michigan, mm -hmm. like the, the idea that there are these regional markets that of course can't trade across state lines yet, but the idea that there will be these facilities and players that are, that are regional and national players, MSOs, um, that really are taking the best of what they've learned, whether it is uh, in Europe or whether it is in Canada, whether it is sort of big greenhouse grows uh, that you've been talking about and putting them in places that are just 
starved for supply of quality mm. cannabis is an interesting yeah. play. And I wonder if you've sort of, obviously you have like looked at places like New Jersey, which just don't have the supply to meet the demand they have now, never mind an adult use market that's coming online. Same thing with New York, same thing with any state. There's just never the supply that they need from the get go because the know how hasn't been there. And I think what you're saying is the know how will be there through Alps and Australis. Absolutely. Um, I mean, you made some great points there, Jay. Um, I just heard the other day that uh, the state of Illinois um, adult usage revenue will be higher than the entire country of Canada. Um, so that, you know, gives you an indication on, on the limitations in Canada with respect to adult usage where um, they don't exist as, they're not as prevalent in, in the U.S. on a state-by-state -state basis. And if you can move your uh, cultivars around, if you will, and you're allowed to do that um, and, and get the brand going, there's only, you know, maybe five or six companies in the States that have really done a great job on brand, in my opinion, yeah. um, the True Leaves, the Charlotte's Web, um, Harborside to some extent, uh, Big Sur, you know, they, they're all West Westies really. So no one's really come and tapped that shoulder of the East Coast. Now that's happening. Right? New Jersey, Pennsylvania, uh, New York combined, it's 80 million people. Uh, they're, they're heading down this adult usage road. Uh, I think it's 39 states where you can sit on your step and smoke a joint now. And that's the thing of beauty, right? And it, I think so. They could usually use a little mellowing out in the States for sure. Yeah, and it's, it's righteous, it's right. It's what we've all been um, working for over these years and, and certainly the pioneers are passing this golden baton onto um, responsible corporations and in, in growing nice, clean um, quality cannabis. Um, and then um, the derivative market in the States is way better than the derivative market in, in Canada already, right? The, the things that they're allowed to do. So. You might say, well, maybe they got to pull some things back. I mean, there's a cart before the horse. Who cares? The, the population rules and dictates and, and the ability to advertise, the ability to brand and the ability to know what the hell you're doing with respect to the grow. Um, those are assets um, and, and, and they're rare um, on, a, on a large scale. So as I said, we're not, this isn't Aurora 2.0. Um, this is going to be all about the product and selling it. And if there's any problem in Canada with respect to cannabis is it's hard to sell. <laughs> Every package looks exactly the same, right? I mean, it's, it's hard to brand, not allowed. Uh, the ones that do brand don't get punished. The big ones, if you brand, you're, you're in big trouble. So it's, uh, it, I'm excited about it. I have um, a, a place in Scottsdale. I've had it for, for years. Um, I'll be definitely making a, a presence in the United States with respect to being CEO. And uh, we have this other little opportunity called CBD. Um, that's probably going to be, you know, out of the gate um, in, at a federal level way before THC. And you have to be prepared for that as a cannabis company, I believe. I don't think you have, want to become, or I don't anyway, want to become a, a hemp farmer. But certainly CBD derived from hemp in a GMP fashion is going to set yourself up properly for um, a CGP. Right, consumer packaged goods industry getting involved. And that's another thing that Larson brings to the table um, is the ability to build facilities that are GMP compliant, GACP compliant, good agricultural practices, uh, good agricultural and cultivation practices. Um, that's sort of my background. As you know, I'm a regulatory guy, even before the cannabis space, I was involved with the government's 
and um, you know they're they're God um, in in these circumstances. They own your licenses, and yet you have to comply. And um, it's going to be about compliance and reliance. Uh, I want to ignite, excite, and delight these Australis shareholders. And sorry for the three rhymes, but a poetry mood today. But, you get a tattoo uh, that have, says that. Yeah, go Rick. Yeah, you mean if you want to, sure. <laughs> well, I'll lose a few LBs first. Uh, <laughs> off. But um, it, it, it is, uh, you know, it, it's there for the taking to some extent. Um, it's an exciting industry. Um, you know that. It, it, it's always on the move. Um, and it's a righteous industry, bringing you know, medicine to people that would otherwise not have access to it and uh, allowing this wonderful plant to, to make its way um, into our, our, our kitchens and homes. Good thing. Well, Terry, I want to ask you one final question, and that is um, we, we often in business talk about the, the first mover advantage, right? And, and there's been lots of that discussion uh, with companies you've been involved in, of course, right? Um, and, and I wonder, of course, that always exists in business because you get to capture market share, but you also get to make all the mistakes, right? You, uh, and I'm wondering if this is an era where the second mover gets to learn from the first mover and make smarter moves based on the first wrong moves. Is, is that how you sort of think about it, that you get to move into new markets or emerging markets with all the background and all the information that you have from, you know, from, from Alberta yeah. and from Canada and from other places? Yeah, for sure. And, and don't think that um, we didn't dig deep, deep, deep into the MSO space at, at Aurora while we were doing our, our back and rights with Astralis. And after that, um, we, we had other plans. So I do feel that the team, it's not just me, we're bringing on board a team of experienced cannabis professionals. And um, I don't know if you know the history of, of Aurora, but we weren't a first mover. There was 13 companies that we called the Blessed 13. And um, they did go out and make the mistakes and, and uh, they stubbed their dicks, I think is what we called it. But um, uh, and we got to, to learn by that. Um, is, is there, does the opportunity still exist in the States? 100%, man. It, it is um, so many, um, the companies that are still standing in the States have done a great job in still surviving. So, you know, they're pretty decent operators if you're going to go down any M&A trail. Um, or partnership trails with, with these guys. Um, there's also been a lot of casualties. Um, you need to know why, why they broke. Um, Australis was a little bit of a broken uh, Tonka truck. Uh, and that's the other thing about this, this plan forward. I'm not gonna buy any more Tonka trucks, man. Um, I learned my lessons, you know, you, you think you're buying a distressed asset at a discount, um, but normally distressed assets are distressed for a reason. And the fix is always more expensive than you think. So there, there's companies out there that are uh, that have grinded it out and are making money. BAM's a good example, um, a great example. GT Therapeutics, another great example. They just hammered away. We don't have the MORE Act yet. We don't have the Safe Bank Act yet. I think those are be givens, Jay. Um, you know, one of them was a, even a bipartisan bill. Going to make a big difference in bottom line revenue. Um, to, to these cannabis companies. And then you start introducing these populations that don't yet have a grow industry. Come on, that, that's big stuff. And uh, there's gonna be big money come to the table with those two acts. You're gonna see more institutional money come in. I'm, I'm pretty good at that, re raising money. I've done a lot of that, uh, but it's not gonna be, I don't think a big focus of ours. We're, like, as I said, capital light, um, EBITDA high.
And that's our, our goal. That's a good goal. You get that tattooed on yourself too. I'm going to be on my back. <laughs> well, when you, when you, your words, when you lose the LBs, you can, you can tattoo whatever you want and take your shirt that's off right. at the shareholders meetings. Uh, Terry Booth, it's, it's, it's uh, great to sit down with you uh, in this context. Uh, good luck in the new role uh, and all that you're doing. And we look forward to connecting with you down the road. Thanks for your time, Jay. Have a great day. You too. Bye. Bye.